0: Hello and welcome, this is Reverend Mark Bishop, Interim Pastor here at St. Paul United Church of Christ in Wapakoneta, Ohio, where no matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. We say this because we try to live God's extravagant welcome. You are always welcome to be a part of our family at St. Paul UCC here in Wapak. May God bless us abundantly as we worship together. The fullness of time. Sometimes we read that and we don't really let it compute what that means. How can time be full? Full Time is just second after second, after minute, after hour, after day, right? In the Greek language, there's two words for time. That second after second definition is chronos, from which we get chronometer or, or beginning of uh, our watches. But they have another word, which is kairos. They believed that there was a sense in which God's time is different at certain junctures in human history. And so we come to this momentous time, this little scene that we remember with the baby Jesus that we claim is of cosmic significance, that it changed things for all times. And in order to understand this, This event, I think we need to back up a little bit and think very quickly about the history of God with his people, Israel. Begins with Abraham, calling Abraham out of what is now modern-day Iraq to follow him. him who? Abraham didn't know exactly but he left his home and traveled to what was later to become the promised land of Israel and in that act it was judged that he was a person of faith and so the story continues with many many sons and daughters and till we get to Joseph where the Hebrew people became a part of uh, the Pharaoh's economy and becomes enslaved there for some 300 years and then the very centerpiece of the theology of the, of the First Testament is that God heard their cry of suffering as slaves and set them free and brought them out of slavery to freedom, brought them into the promised land with under the leadership of Moses, built their establishment and power there. And eventually, after 200 years of judges that were, came and went, they established a kingdom with, first with Saul and then with the great King David. And with King David, God established an eternal covenant eternal covenant and that went on pretty well yeah there were some good kings and some bad kings for a long long time but then the unthinkable happened in 587 the southern kingdom of Judah was overrun by Babylon they were in exile. And then, some 38 years later, the Persian emperor Cyrus allowed them to come back into Jerusalem and to establish what's known as the second temple period. They were allowed to worship there but there was a nagging sense that things were never going to be the way they used to be, that they, that God had really judged them and left them, and so during this 500-year period before Jesus, there was a chronic sense that God was expected to come back. There were some fits and starts, some military independence under the Hasmoneans. But that was short lived and put down by the great power of Rome and that leads us to this manger scene. The expectancy that God was going to come back, God was going to return. The temple in Jerusalem was a short distance away from Bethlehem, that manger scene. So Mary and Joseph bring Jesus either to be circumcised as an eight-day-old eight child or um, uh, uh, some other sort of cleansing and offering that they gave up, dedicating their eldest son to God. You can only imagine the excitement. You can only imagine the excitement after 500 years. God was returning. That's how we need to think about the situation to understand the gospel of Luke this morning. Luke, really, the first three chapters, first two chapters at least, are... A retirement home for elders looking forward to the consolation of Israel, the return of Yahweh. We heard a couple of weeks ago about Zechariah, a priest at the temple, and Anna his wife, who were not angry about their childness childnessless childlessness. But they spoke of the Messiah coming. Zechariah prophesies. And now today we hear about a little known character, Simeon. We don't know whether he's an old man or a young man, an idealistic young man. We don't know. But we do know that he was a man who was expecting the Messiah, expecting the return of God. Luke puts it this way. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple. In other words, Simeon was a seeker, a hoper, led by the Spirit. And then there's a second character in here in this story this morning. Anna, an 80-year-old woman. Luke describes it this way. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Fenuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of great age, having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, then as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but worshiped there with fasting and prayer, night and day. What would you think of a person who worships all day, every day, day and night? Be honest with yourself. Would your your temptation to be saved, That's a real fanatic. We better back away from that. Or would we really be able to appreciate that she had dedicated her life to worship and prayer and that she believed in the power of prayer? With that as a background, I want to ask you one question. What did Simeon and Anna know about the Messiah to warrant their reactions of faith, prophecy, worship, praise, joyous celebration. It's it's just a little baby. A baby's powerless, speechless, a newcomer to the world. Now we have to be careful here not to read the Bible backwards like we often do because we know what's going to happen in 30 years but Simeon and Anna didn't know. They didn't know what they were looking at. What did they see? How did they know? What were they responding to? Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Master, you are dismissing your servant in peace. According to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles And for the glory of your people, Israel. What a beautiful kind of hymn, isn't it? To the return of God after 500 years. Simeon responds in faith. A trust in the vague urgings and revelations of the spirit. That had told him that he holds the future in his hands. Simeon probably had no clue what that future was, but he's satisfied. It's enough. He doesn't have to know everything about God's plans. It's enough to know what the Spirit has revealed to him. I believe that we too are people who have caught a glimpse of what's happening in the incarnation of God in this baby Jesus and then later as we celebrate Lent the great gift on the cross but we wait for God's will on earth as it is in heaven to come in more fullness we wait for the fullness of time kairos when God's rule, God's reign will be established here on earth. Isn't that isn't that who we are? Paul says that we become adopted as children. Our status changes before God. What does it mean to be adopted? I think sometimes we don't understand this because we you know, of all the psychological studies of the difficulties that adopted children have with wondering about their natural parents. And we, get, we, we kind of think about it that way. But I want you to think about it in the way that adoption was meant back then when to be adopted literally was, in most cases, the person that was adopted was a slave who now becomes a son or a daughter. Their status changes from one of no control over their lives to being an heir, to having rights. So that that word of adopted as a son or daughter is a really, really good news and i think the analogous thing for us is that we have children and grandchildren who we hope will have will live lives better than ours that's what we that's how we feel about our children whether natural or adopted right that their lives will be better not necessarily materially for we've seen that riches don't bring happiness In fact, our happiness has gone down in the last two decades as we become more and more wealthy as a nation. We pray for our children to have wisdom and courage and faith that they might make the world better, to find better ways to live than we've managed to create. And so we're haunted by that question about what do you really think about Anna in this story today who all she ever did was worship and pray. I'm going to take a moment of personal this is the, as I often say, this is the gospel according to Mark Bishop. Take it for what it's worth. Reject it for Personally, I don't believe that the solution to our current problems that we have as a country will ever come from politics. Neither party has the wisdom, kindness, and passion for peace that will be necessary in God's realm on earth. And so one of the things that I hope for for this church is this election year when I am sure things are gonna be confusing and bitter and angry and, did I say confusing? (laughs) That we hang on to the fact that we are a people of peace and hope, that we believe that we are brothers and sisters with everyone. And so I continue to believe that what we proclaim, that when we proclaim that everyone is welcome at the communion table, as we will next week, we're holding out to the world a hope that has a chance to win out in the end and not to be just a continuous bitter battle back and forth, back and forth. At least once each month, At the communion table, we taste the presence of Jesus, the babe who grew up speaking truth, love, and peace. Luke says it very simply. He sums it up today. The child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. I believe that the communion table is at the center of our faith. At least as important, if not more important than the cross. It's the symbol that everyone is welcome. Everyone is welcome at Jesus' table. God's grace overflows in our hearts and beckons us to worship and praise as brothers and sisters with each other. At the communion table, we are linked with everyone in creation, together as one. Like Simeon and Anna, we may not get all the way to God's future ourselves, not in this life, but we've seen glimpses of it. And that's enough. We can go our way living in peace with our brothers and sisters. So that's my New Year's wish for you and for the world. Amen. We pray that you have found blessing and enrichment in joining us for worship today. As we are truly blessed to have you worship with us. Peace and blessings to you, and thank you for joining us today. If you would like to support the ministries of St. Paul United Church of Christ here in Wapakoneta, you can do so in three ways. First, you can mail in your gifts to St. Paul at P.O. Box 147, Wapakoneta, Ohio, 45895. Secondly, you can send your gifts online from our website, stpaulucc.com. Lastly, you can text the amount you would like to give by texting us at 844-971-1800. Come join us again at St. Paul United Church of Christ here in Wapakoneta, where no matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here.